What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney Today on What Got You There Sean talks with Brandon Steiner who is the CEO of Steiner Sports As a poor kid in Brooklyn, Brandon Steiner lived for the summer days when he could scrounge together enough change to make the subway trip to Yankee Stadium, buy the cheapest ticket available, and bask in the aura of his favorite baseball team for just a few hours. Little would Brandon have known then that one day his name would be linked with the team in an exclusive memorabilia partnership and he'd own that very stadium. Throughout Brandon's extensive career, he continually reinvented himself as he capitalized on his two sharpest skills, managing people and providing services. In 1987, Brandon established Steiner Associates, later to be renamed Steiner Sports, with only $4,000, a one-room office, and an intern. By the late 90s, Steiner Sports had dozens of employees and represented most of the big-name athletes in New York. Today, Steiner Sports generates $40 million in annual revenue and employs 100 people. In this episode, Brandon talks about defining your why, the life lessons his mom taught him that forever changed him, and why surrounding yourself with the right people is so important. Get ready to be blown away by this interview. Brandon, thank you for joining us on What Got You There? How are you doing today? Everything's great. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a beautiful day in paradise. Oh, there we go. Up in New York. I love it. So let's get started right away. I want to go back to the early life of Brandon Steiner. What type of impact did your mom have on you? Well, I, you know, I had, a, I mean, I think, I think everyone, you know, the, when you look at where you were born and who raised you has a tremendous impact on you. Anybody that says differently is, was in a coma for their first, uh, mm-hmm. bunch of years alive. I, I think my mother was a very powerful woman. I was one of those kids that listened to his mom. So, um, and I made a ton of money from listening to all her advice and some of her, she was a little out of the box. She was definitely a woman way ahead of her time. Her favorite line was you got to have balls which is the name of my last book. And and it was because she was a fearless, didn't really care much about what other people thought, didn't take any crap from anyone, but also was willing to take risks, do things that were a little outlandish and, and wasn't worried about what the, you know, what, what somebody else going to think about that. And I think it's really important. And just to answer the question for somebody that's listening out there, that may be a parent, or even if you're a manager and you're managing someone, I think the initial stages of any relationship are critical. And they have a lot to do with how that relationship is going to go. It's the foundation. And you can't think out, really be creative uh, about your, your parenting or your management with, with new and young employees. You can't think it out enough. Uh, you can't do enough in the early stages uh, with, with your children uh, you know, to really empower them, build confidence. And that's what my mother did for me. I mean, she was, we didn't have a lot. We were extremely poor to say the least. And you can probably read more about it in the book, but um, I think that you can't give your kids enough confidence and, and, and high self-esteem. It supersedes a big car. It supersedes the big house. And whether you make a lot of money or don't, that stuff's what's important. You know, showing your kids attention, showing them that they're important, showing your employees that they're important and what they have to think and what they're feeling, or at least teaching them what they need to know is what supersedes everything. Yeah, developing that confidence in your kids is so important. And you said you made money by listening to your mom. What did she teach you that helped you make money? Well, it's, it's, it's uh, well, I mean, there's so many lessons. I mean, certainly, you know, if you use your head, you don't have to use your feet, but there's so many life <laughs> lessons with her. 
um, you know, about really using your head and working from your, your, your neck up. You know, she always said, you know, if you want to work from your neck up and you want to work from your neck down, there's nothing wrong with physical labor. You could be a good construction worker. You could deliver mail. There's nothing wrong with those jobs. Uh, or do you want to work from the neck up? And, you know, do you want to go to college and learn how to be a management person or run a company one day? I think that was a very, very valuable uh, choice that my mother offered me. Uh, she kind of really broke it down and, and in a very, in very, very direct terms that a lot of the work that I was going to do as far as in school, learning how to speak correctly, reading and, and, and going to college was going to have a direct impact on whether I was going to work from the neck up or the neck down. And I think value proposition, you know, really maximizing what you have. I think a lot of people are always feeling like they should have more or thinking about what else they could have. And and the real theme of it is is the 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 more you think like that, the less you're gonna have. By the mm-hmm. way, but I think if you think along the lines of being grateful for what you have, it's really the entry point to getting more. And and I think that's you know it's amazing what you can do with what you have. And there's always a ton more you can do with what you have. But usually the thinking is we need more space, uh, we need a bigger budget, we need to do this, we need to do that. The really smart cats are, are looking at what they have and thinking how they can improve it, how they could do better, how they could do more. And that was my mother's main message. Uh, when you read in my book, there's a newspaper story. And, and, and the main message in that story when I was delivering newspapers was, you know, you got to differentiate yourself when you're trying to get people to sign up for the newspapers. And you got to try to figure out how you can add value. And, well, you know, value is is what you could do for someone else that they can't do themselves. And I don't think people think about their value or the va- real value add on a day-to-day basis when they're working. Like, what is your real value to the company? What is it you do for the company that the company can't do for themselves or no one else in the company can do? What is it that you really do for your client that you can do for them that they can't or don't want to do for themselves? Because that's the real value. And, you know, my mother was, was, was saying, you know, stop selling and start solving and start serving, you know, solving and serving is, is the key to growing. Uh, and I'm just 12, you know, I'm like, wow, I'm trying to get my arms around this, you know? And so, you know, when I went around and I hit this 70, uh, 70 year old woman and she really didn't want to get the newspaper delivered. And I said, man, would you get bag if I get brought you bagels on every Sunday morning and I brought milk on Wednesdays and Sundays. Because if the weather's really bad, it wouldn't be a good idea for you to be going out in the house if there's ice or stormy weather or a heat wave. You shouldn't have to worry about going out to get your staple groceries. I'll get them for you. I just want you to get the newspaper delivered from me. And, you know, I, I, you know, I thought it was a nice gesture to do as a 12-year-old. And I thought if I did that, the lady would get the paper. But I didn't realize that she was like the mayor of the neighborhood. And she turned me on to over 100 people that bought the paper from me. And I went from 29 dailies to 199 dailies. And I, I, I can't express enough importance in serving and solving. You know, if you look at your clients and you look at people you have relationships with and you help them solve problems and you help serve them to solve those problems, it's value. And when you create value, you really become indestructible. I mean, you become such an asset and you, your, your business and your whole process will start just elevating and growing. And it's a great lesson. I know you asked me a simple question, what kind of effect did my mother have on me? But at 12, I learned the importance of serving, solving, and creating value for myself, making sure that I just didn't expect just because I showed up and was breathing and showed up to work that that was enough. 
And I think that some people feel that because they've worked somewhere for a long time, that that's why they should get a raise and a promotion. But employees that solve problems, that, that look to serve the company without restriction, uh, without necessarily always expecting something back, are the ones that generally get promoted and do really well, and they end up in the corner office. So I mean, I'm asking you now, like, if you're listening, like, are you serving and solving or are you selling? And, and, and are you differentiating yourself? And ask yourself, like, what's the best value you provide for the relationships you're connected to? And then you have some answers to some of your questions about why you seem to be moving on a fast track or why you're not. No, I mean, certainly all the listeners and myself, I think they're gonna go back and look at their own businesses, their own selves and see how can they can do a much better job. I mean, it's unbelievable, such a young age. I mean, you were one entrepreneur, one hustler at a young age doing this, unbelievable. And then I wanna know about you transitioned then kind of getting your dream job over at Hyatt and you were eventually fired from there. What did your mom say to you when you actually lost that job? Well, you know, first of all, I, I just want to set the table on that. I mean, um, you know, I worked all the way through college and, and my dream job, even though I got an accounting degree at Syracuse, which I'm very grateful for. Go Orange. Uh, that's, well, the school gave me an opportunity. I was extremely poor uh, with scholarships and financial aid. There's no way a kid like me should have been able to go to a school like Syracuse. And they enabled me to do that. And it was a game changer. And I, I knew all along, even though I was getting my accounting degree, that I wanted to be in hospitality. And um Hi, it was my dream job. And, and uh, so, you know, after three promotions in two and a half years, I get fired. I'm on the phone with my mother. And, you know, one of, my, one of the lessons I want to explain to the audience is that, you know, there's no I in team, but there's also no I in sucks. You know, there's no I in lose. And, you know, I think, you know, my mother's message to me that day was, listen, you know, I'm a big, I'm as big a fan of yours as anybody could be. You got all the stuff that one day you could be a star, but right now you suck. You know, you're not that good. Big companies like Hyatt that are growing like crazy don't get rid of great employees. So you must have some parts of your game that need work. And I need you to really take a step back and look at some of the things where you're a little rough around the edges. And I want you to really uh, be honest with yourself and work on improving that. So when you get the next big opportunity, you're better set for it. And this, you'll laugh about this one day. Now, that's a lot to take as a, as a 25, 24-year-old, uh, especially, you know, I worked, I mean, I, if I worked anything less than 80 or 90 hours a week at Hyatt, seven days a week, I mean, I love that company. I got learned so much. But, you know, I went to the store. I never forget, I'm not a, a huge reader. And I went to the store and I bought, you know, Norman Vincent Peale, Harvey McKay, Dale Carnegie. I bought it all. And I started reading and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually go through as much self-analysis as I can. I'm going to look at the way I handle relationships with people, which obviously I'd screwed up a little bit of high with a couple of relationships with some of my bosses. I'm going to actually learn how to handle things differently. And I'm going to go to some of the gurus that at that time, I'm going to read as much as I can. and I'm going to try to tighten up my game and it's okay to go to work, you know, not only necessarily to the job you have, but to go to work on yourself. I think we all need, some form of therapy, self-help. And it's important to have some people around you that can be honest with you and not sugarcoat it when you suck. Yeah, the tough loving from those closest to you, I mean, that just goes so far. I'm curious, you mentioned about all of this personal investment. How long was it before you launched Steiner Sports in 87 from when you were fired at Hyatt? Um, I, I think it was about five years. Um, I I did, um, you know, I did some consulting and I, I had a 
a seminar that I did, which was very successful. I could probably go give this seminar now. I probably went to about 150 to 200 restaurants, gave this seminar called Tips on Tips, which was a service seminar. And I really, I'd learned so much at Hyatt about service and improving and, 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 and um, upselling. And so I go to all these restaurants and I do an analysis of their menu of their service. And I, I do these consulting, I do this talk and I did very well. I went back to New York. I worked for Hyatt, uh, Hard Rock rather, I'm sorry, for about a year and a half and then opened up a sports bar uh, also for about a year and a half. And when I then stumbled upon the idea of opening up Steiner Sports. So it was about five years. Um, I wasn't in a rush, even though I was a serial entrepreneur and I knew that I was always going to do my own thing. My always my hopes and dreams was to have my own company one day. And I think that I see entrepreneurism uh, with youth today on the highest level. I'm so excited when I see some of the young kids today that are so entrepreneurial and at really young ages, it's really, uh, it really moves me so excited. But I knew that I needed to go through the learning processes. And I, I try to tell, uh, especially younger kids, to be patient and to learn and not, not run into starting your own business so quick because there's a lot of experiential things you need to learn that are have nothing to do with the idea that you may have, which may be a good one. Uh, there's just stuff that you can't just teach yourself that easily. You got to learn by just growing up. Uh, and, and, and it's the same thing with some older people that, you know, the highest level of entrepreneurism in this country is between 55 and 65. And a lot of those people who are extremely experienced, maybe not needing as much experience as maybe those young kids that I was talking about a minute ago, still uh, don't, there are a bunch of things they need to know about. And I, and I really push them to stay in their jobs a little longer to go really expand on the hiring, firing, advertising, PR, promoting, how you get office space, how you, you know, those little things that you may not be doing in a regular day-to-day -day job. And now you want to branch out and go on your own. So, you know, I started Steiner at, at 29 years old. I thought I had a good run. I never once doubted the fact that I would own a bunch of companies or have a big company or a decent sized company that was going to manage people and come up with an idea. I didn't think it was going to be sports. I had no idea, but I was always excited as a kid of Going into an industry, and I'll say this, and, and this is just an important point, if anything we talk about in this conversation, I was committed to going into an industry and making it better than when I found it, and, and for, for that industry to be happy when I leave it, that it's better than when I found it. I, I wanted to make a difference in an industry that I decided to go in. I wasn't looking to just join an industry. I wanted to disrupt it. I wanted to find an industry that needed improvement, that needed growth, that needed uh, vision. And I was going to find that type of industry to jump into so that there was room for my entrepreneurism. Um, and that was my goal. Um, I, I, I was no way looking for a status quo work-life balance. No way. I, I wanted to go dig into something that was going to be like, wow, I can't believe what this guy came up with. That's amazing. And, uh, and so I found the sports business at a very early, you know, in the 80s, it wasn't a lot of people doing sports marketing and in the 90s when I decided to do sports collectibles. Um, wasn't a lot of people doing it. I mean, you mentioned having no interest in having a big team and having employees. I mean, now you're the CEO, you guys have 100 plus employees. How do you learn to develop that talent and also manage that at the same time? I mean, I, I went to school for it and you know, at Hyatt, I managed a lot of people. Hard Rock, I managed even more people. I mean, managing people is a, is a lost art. It's unfortunate, you know, the how to handle people and how to grow people is unfortunate. I've had a lot of learning lessons myself. I mean, literally, um, if you can put yourself in positions where you have people also that you can count on to teach you. And again, a lot of self-analysis. I mean, I think I misunderstood 
Um, I mean, there's so many lessons I learned at Hyatt and Hard Rock, and I had good mentors to pick me up when I got, you know, my ass kicked. But um, even at even at Steiner, I mean, I, I I definitely, you know, when you get into a run and your Steiner took off, I mean, I don't know if I re- recognize how important talent acquisition, the importance of getting good in pe- people and keeping them, and the effort and energy you have to put towards keeping your people. Uh, is so important. I think it's as difficult now as it's ever been in the workplace because there's some confusion about whether is it the money? Is it bringing your dog to work day? Is it having snacks in the kitchen? Is it giving you people a lot of days off? You know, so many factors now towards what employees look at towards their employer as as what's a good employment situation. Um, But I think caring about your employees and you know, understanding them and, and helping them grow as not only as people, not only just in sales, but as people is really important. And and my biggest lesson learned uh, as, at Steiner, uh, because we were moving so fast and growing so quickly, was, was to appreciate, you know, good employees and, and put more energy and, put, and learn how to put energy and time into keeping them. Um, it's, uh, I think it's a miss for a lot of managers because, you know, they always think like, hey, Good employee, but I can always get someone else. But they don't realize the energy and time to building trust, experience, and knowledge about how things work and what the value is on that over time. Now that I'm doing this for 30 years at Steiner, um, and then you know, you know, it's setting up the culture. I mean, you know, you talk to winners. You know, you talk to winning teams, uh, whether it be companies or sports teams. I mean, they, 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 you know, you always hear the word culture pop up. You know, you always hear uh, about that there's a great vibe in here. People care about each other. Um, when, you know, when something happens, my boss, I can talk to, you know, those kinds of things. So, you know, it's an effort. It's an effort to understand even a hundred employees is a relatively smaller company. I mean, there's a lot bigger challenges with bigger companies, but you know, it's a challenge to know where your people's heads are at, that they had a kid or they're having a problem at home or a parent just died and, and you know, I'm not feeling well and I help them with doctors. It's a challenge to keep up with a lot of other people. Um, but as a manager, you know, you really have to fill yourself. You got to forget yourself. You know, uh, most people look at managers as a position of power, but it's really a position of serving. And it's and you really have to look to everyone else first before you look at yourself. You've got to make sure that that's got to be your mindset is to get everybody else better. And as you do that, then you'll reap the benefits. Today, what got you there is being fueled by Soniva Super Coffee. Soniva provides an organic bottled coffee blended with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil for all-day energy. Grab a bottle at your local Whole Foods market or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. As someone who's always looking for ways to improve my mental and physical performance, I started using Four Sigmatic about a year ago, and I love their products. At Four Sigmatic, they believe in the real magic of functional mushrooms like reishi, chaga, cordyceps, and lion's mane, as well as other superfoods and adaptogens to help us live healthier, more enhanced lives. Everyone's talking about Four Sigmatic, including Time Magazine, Vogue, Forbes, even the New York Times. My favorite product is their convenient new Brain Stick Pack. Perfect before a workout or study session, their dual mushroom blend supports memory attention and brain health. I also have been using their cordyceps before workouts and love the results. I've experienced the benefits of these delicious packets, but now it's time for you to as well. To receive 15% off your order, use discount code WGYT 
at checkout at foursigmatic.com or by heading to foursigmatic.com forward slash WGYT. I mean, you mentioned winners and competitors, and I mean, obviously your experience in the sports world, you've dealt with some of the best athletes of all time. Is there one guy who was an athlete, but in that boardroom, in the business realm, he was one hell of a competitor and just really stood out amongst everyone else? I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of gets played out on, on competition and talent, but you know, I thought Mark Messier was a big culture guy. Uh, I learned a lot from Mark, you know, Mark knew the ushers. He knew the guy who sang the national anthem, you know, nobody would dig into the corners to get a puck better than him. Uh, nobody worked on his craft and on his physical, you know, part better than him. Nobody was a better teammate than him. He was constantly, you know, if there was a rookie in the room or there was somebody struggling. I mean, there's this song. I mean, he, I, you know, one of the, I know, listen, I, I've gotten close to a lot of players and a lot of leaders, and it doesn't take away from them. I think he's one of the great ones um, in his own right. You know, great, taught me a lot about the importance of your family and enjoying big moments and making sure the people that are important to you, you know, when you have a big moment, you have a success, you need to get the people that have helped you get there and that are supporting you on a day-to-day basis to celebrate with you. When you think about it, it's like when something bad happens to you, you know, you're hoping that all these people, your friends, and they're going to come support you and be there for you. But the question is, when something really good happens, are you celebrating with those same people that you're expecting? Do you share the success with them? And that's where I think I, I learned a lot from Mark is that every good thing that happened with Mark, we were right there with him. You know, he shared that with his best friends. He shared that with his family and he shared that with his teammates. And it was, it's an effort to do that. But if you want, if you're in and you want to have a culture that's meaningful, which is, you know, doing what's important to the people that are important and including the people that are important, then that's what it's about. And, and I see a lot of companies, you know, when things are bad, it's like get in on Saturday, work late. We got to do this. We got to do that. But when things are really good, you got to celebrate and you got to make sure that the people know that, you know, they're as much a part of that success as they are when things are hurting and down. Uh, like love Mark Messier, you know, love him. Uh, just one of the great leaders. I mean, I could probably mention 20 other players that, um, that you'd be surprised the kind of impact they've had on their organizations and teams and people around them. But he's the first guy that comes to mind. You mentioned success and successful moments. What do you view as the most successful moment of your career thus far? Well, I mean, I, I think the most successful thing is, you know, I've got two kids and a kid that we adopted that are extremely functioning well in the world that they're on their way to doing something really good. And, you know, we didn't screw that up. Um, sometimes when you have some success as a, an adult, you know, you, your kids don't always necessarily follow along, you know, so it's, that's a little bit of a trick. Um, especially, you know, coming from the, where I came from, um, you know, you don't, you know, you, you want to spoil your kids or give them what you didn't have. But so I think the biggest success is probably, you know, having a 30 year marriage and, having three kids that actually still like my wife and I, and we still get along, um, on a business end. So, you know, that, that's, that's everything. I mean, uh, I've always, you know, I've never been overly greedy about the business part of things. I mean, cause you know, I think my family is critical, uh, to my success and without them, I don't know where, where I'd be. I think on the business end, I mean, there's a few moments. I mean, Yankee Steiner was just a blessing, you know, that the Yankees gave me this opportunity to partner up with them. Um, I think their goal obviously was always to protect their fans and make sure that things are authentic and make sure that things run the up and up with game used and collectible products. So, you know, they have, they had an intent and a motivation 
uh, and as they should, because they got one of the biggest and best fan bases of all time. But uh, that's a huge break for them to to give me an opportunity to partner with them. I think you know to partner with the greatest brand in all of sports. I think is the Yankees, and to get on the inside uh, you know of that team, working with whether it be their TV network, their stadium sales, the actual players, the management. Uh, it's been an amazing experience and a game changing experience for me, uh, for Steiner Sports, and and also for the industry. You know, it really sent a big message. And I think it disrupted the industry where now more teams and leagues are into game use because of what we started. And it was my goal. You know, I, I knew that that was going to be a big game changer, but I knew it was going to be bigger than me. I knew that the message it was going to send would change the industry, change the way people felt about collecting, about products that our guys signed in war. And it did. So, um, you know, I'm happy about that. I'm real proud about that. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a pretty big deal. I mean, I love that perspective, but I take it that you're someone who who's never really satisfied. So, what have you not yet accomplished? Um, well, first of all, I you know I still have a lot of people that I want to help. Um, I, I think that's the driving force. Is I think that this this world is in desperate need of uh, more more help. You know, there's just a lot of a lot of people that need a break and, and a lot of situations that need support. And if I can use some of the influence I have to to make it my little part of a difference, then uh, that that makes me a lot more satisfied and happy. Uh, I think from a business standpoint, I mean, there's a lot of different things I'm I'm exploring into, uh, from some of the stuff that you've you've talked about in this conversation, uh, from getting into other areas of you know whether it be theatrical, musical artists, politicians. I mean, I think there's a lot of things to collect. I've already changed the way people feel about collecting and, and not made it into such a you know, kind of side sidearm kind of hobby and, and more of a mainstream cool thing to do. Now I want to go take full circle and see if I can't get more people interested on different levels, whether it be former presidents or rock bands, uh, Bruce Springsteen or famous movie stars and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I, you know, to me, to me, I, you know, I wake up every day and I try to do something. That, that is going to make a little bit of a difference and help somebody else like somebody else helped me when I was a kid. And uh, we try to do as much community work as we can as a company and as an individual. My wife and I try to support different organizations. Um, and, I, 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 you know, I see more and more people doing that. So that's promising. Um, from a business standpoint, I'm looking for some different challenges. So, you know, you never know. You may hear some things in the next few months. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at some different opportunities for me to you know, enter in that are a little different than the, 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 you know, the areas that I'm in now. I mean, you're definitely supporting me and my audience with, with coming on here and sharing your value. You kind of mentioned some of the new trends that might be taking place in memorabilia. Any of those you're really keeping your eye on? All of them. You know, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about what's next and what else. Um, I'm constantly thinking also what's even more challenging is, you know, where we're going to sell it. You know, there's a tremendous disruption going on right now in the retail business, um, you know, and it's very confusing. Um, and, you know, you've got to be on your A game as somebody who sells anything, any products, as far as marketing, advertising, and actually the distribution. You know, the way people buy things has dramatically changed in the last five or six years. And uh, that's, that's enough to keep you up at night, to be honest with you. And I don't think we've seen the end of it. A lot of people talk about Amazon and Walmart and eBay and but there's more and, and a lot of other things coming. Um, and I look at the way people buy and the way people look to get things. 
uh, I look to see even more disruption. Uh, the days of going down Main Street and picking up what you need are over. Um, and probably going to the mall is probably kind of getting to be close to being over. So, you know, you got to try to figure out like what's next. And it's not typically just going to a website because that's a little boring, although there's a lot of that and there will be a lot of that. So the what's next isn't necessarily only about the products that and services that we provide at Steiner. Experiential is very important, uh, you know, getting uh, our athletes and getting our customers closer to the game, on the field, meeting players, Q&As, clinics, and, and really meeting the stars and, and meeting their dream idols. The distribution back to that is is a big part of, you know, how we can communicate all this and how do we figure out how to go get our customers the communication they want and not send them communication they don't want. I mean, you're incredibly aware and perceptive about what's coming next. How do you stay on top of all this? I mean, I'm assuming your day-to-day is incredibly hectic. No, I, it's actually less hectic now than it's ever been because at the end of the, at, at the end, you, you know, if you can, um, not get caught up in, in, in the stupid stuff um, and, and really keep an eye on what's important, then, you know, you're just keeping your eyes open and you're doing a lot more listening than talking. So uh, I'm on YouTube a lot and I'm trying to follow trends and I'm trying to be a stupid customer. And I say that with all due respect, me a stupid customer, meaning, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you look at a lot of CEOs and a lot of successful people and yes, when the last time they went online and bought their product or bought any product, and they, most of them have other people doing it. And, and for me, I'm trying to, I, I try to keep with the simplicity and, and the obvious stuff. You know, I, I get online, I try buying things and I try to go on a lot of websites and um, I, I, I try to see how I'm being marketed and I want to see how people are coming at me uh, through credit cards and through websites and through, re, you know, re, you know, and when you get refocused and just because I looked at a product and, I think it's really important to still walk around in a mall and see what's going on. And, and that's what I do. I, I spend a lot of time just on the obvious stuff. I, I go to a bunch of games. I try to talk to players. I try to talk to people running the leagues. I try to talk to customers. I can't believe how many CEOs and friends of mine that they don't, they're not even on social media and they got somebody in the corner office there, you know, putting out tweets. And I'm like, you got to go on these social media and use it as a positive and talk to your customers and, Give them an opportunity to voice their opinions so it doesn't get so outraged or so crazy. You can see trends and you can actually hear what people are looking for or you can see where your website or some of your services are coming up short. It's amazing how many of my, my fellow CEOs and other executives are not even looking at that stuff. And um, I think, you know, again, you know, to go get more, you know, focus on what you have and, and treat what you have great. And um, I try to get on social media a couple hours a day and talk to customers and uh, respond to customers. I think that some of them are surprised to hear from me. And I'm grateful that they're on the platform and I let them know that. Do you only surround yourself with other CEOs and people in the sports world? I mean, from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like you probably are surrounded by an eclectic group that are giving you different perspectives on all sorts of things in life. Well, I mean, I'd say this is now the second aha moment. I'll tell you this, and there's two parts to this. One, if, if you're hanging around with people that are pretty much doing what you're doing, then you're on a road to mediocrity. So, you know, don't do that. I mean, the last thing I want to do is hang around a bunch of CEOs. I mean, you know, I know how to be a CEO, but I, I, mean, I, I mean, I like being around some CEOs from time to time and learning from people that have run companies bigger than mine or running companies bigger than mine. 
So I think that's I think it's really important. I think it's really important to to change your flock and hang out with all kinds of different people from different industries. Um, I have an unusual web of friends and, and relationships. It's just how I've been since I'm a kid. I've never hung out with one type of individual. I've hung out with the nerds, the the kids that were the geeks. I hung out with the jocks, the tough Italians, you know, hung out with the religious types. I mean, I, you know, I've never been biased to keeping a perspective. I, I think it's a great way to keep perspective is to hang out with as many different types of people. And I see more and more people hanging out with just the people in their industry or just friendly with the people that they work with. It's the formula for disaster. So, you know, I, listen, I think, you can always learn from other CEOs because when you have a problem, uh, sometimes they're. You know, it's some of the problems I have, it's now you can just go to anyone and talk to them about. So, you know, I, I, I'm very grateful to have some people that are running some pretty sizable companies to talk with. Um, and then on the other hand, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have a really wide mixture of people that I hang with and I talk to about things. I mean, incredible advice. And I know we've got to wrap this up. I've got two more quick hit questions before we link my listeners up with you. If you could have one piece of sports memorabilia, what would it be? You know, I've got it. I mean, you know, people ask me that all the time and, and it's a disappointment. First of all, I'm not that kind of collector. I'm a collector of things that are, that are meaningful to me that relate to moments in time. And that's what I like. It's about my moments or moments with my kids or ideas I've come up with. And I collect around those moments and those relationships with those players or teams that I've had uh, in the past. So Anything I'm really trying to get, it's because I'm trying to get them from my customers. I'm trying to get, you know, what I'm trying to get what people want. And that's every day. I mean, there's just tons of things right now that I want to get, not because I want them, because I know my customers want them. The stuff that I personally want are the things that I've created, game changers in the industry, uh, ideas I've come up with that are first, you know, certain ways that we produce photos or certain ways we've done, done autographs or certain product lines we've created that has never been done. That's the stuff I collect because, you know, I feel good about coming up with an idea and then it's sticking and then everybody else stealing those ideas, you know, like the bases. I mean, people say, there's no way you're going to change the bases. You could sell them. I don't know. We sell them. Now everybody <laughs> sells the bases. There's no way they're going to sell the footballs after the game. Well, they sell the footballs after the game. You know, so I'm very grateful. Like, you know, when, you know no way we're going to sell the lineup card in the dugout after the game. Well, we sell the lineup card after the game. So those are things that, you know, I keep some mementos around those kinds of ideas. Um, but generally speaking, the things that I want the most are, are the things I want for my customers. And that's the chase that we're in every day. Um, uh, and that's enough for me. I mean, I, I God, I mean, I've got, you know, 32,000 SKUs of all kinds of collectibles and memorabilia and gotten more than I ever wanted. And very grateful. Oh, Brandon, I love your values. If you were going to get my listeners motivated, fired up, one thing they should start doing in their lives today, what would it be? Um, find a purpose. You know, purpose is the initiator and the instigator for everything. You know, it's redefine your purpose, your why. I mean, I think purpose is so underrated. People talk about passion, commitment, and they're important, but it starts, you know, the, the, the purpose and why are the seeds. They're the roots underneath the tree that everything starts from. And you need to have a why. If you want to lose weight, you need a why because you want to fit into a dress. You want to look good at the wedding or the bar mitzvah. You want to look good in those photos they're taking. Um, you want that girl or that guy to like you. You want to look and feel better. You got to have a why. You know, you, you, know, you want to get a raise. You want that promotion. That's why I'm going to work later. That's why I'm going to work harder. That's why I'm going to pick up that extra license. You need to define your why and your purpose. 
When you have purpose, your imagination, your creativity, your focus, your determination, uh, your, your, your diligence all escalate through the roof. And only then do you move towards commitment. And once you have a purpose and a why, you get committed to expediting, you know, because you just want to get your, you want to get it done. Then you all of a sudden find yourself in a high state of passion. So it starts with why and purpose, and then it moves to all those things, creativity, imagination. And then eventually you find yourself fully committed into something. And once you have purpose and commitment, you will all of a sudden find yourself in a very deep pool of passion. Wow, you know how to end on absolute gold. And now I know you have so much going on. You have the books, the podcast, everything. Where is the best place for my listeners to follow you? Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm a big LinkedIn or Facebook guy. I mean, we do a lot of live Facebooks. If you like, you know, that kind of thing, we, we go live often. Go to brandonsteiner.com. You can pick up the books and some of the other stuff that we sell. And you can register for the new book, which will come out in June. Uh, the blog is extremely popular. I mean, I'm a half illiterate and I have a, a half a million people on my blog now. Uh, I, I just love when people keep telling me all the things I can't do. And the fact that I posted, I think, over 1,500 blogs and 500,000 people actually get those like three, four times a week is unbelievable. And the feedback I get from them is amazing. So that's a blessing in itself. But I would go, you can link in to me or go, you know, like me on Facebook or just go to brandonsteiner.com, register for the blog. Uh, you know, whatever your, uh, whatever your thing is, is, is great. I'm, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as well pretty often, but the best meat and the best stuff that I try to put out to help the most people, it usually gets put on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and on my blogs. Well, then we'll definitely get all that linked up in the show notes. Brandon Steiner, I cannot thank you enough for joining us on what got you there. Appreciate you, and uh, we'll, we'll have this conversation again. I hope that uh, your, your, your platform keeps growing, and happy to help, and catch up soon. Great. Thank you. As someone who's always looking for ways to improve my mental and physical performance, I started using Four Sigmatic about a year ago, and I love their products. At Four Sigmatic, they believe in the real magic of functional mushrooms like reishi, chaga, cordyceps, and lion's mane, as well as other superfoods and adaptogens to help us live healthier, more enhanced lives. Everyone's talking about Four Sigmatic, including Time Magazine, Vogue, Forbes, even the New York Times. My favorite product is their convenient new Brain Stick Pack. Perfect before a workout or a study session, their dual mushroom blend supports memory attention and brain health. I also have been using their cordyceps before workouts and love the results. I've experienced the benefits of these delicious packets, but now it's time for you to as well. To receive 15% off your order, use discount code WGYT at checkout at foursigmatic.com or by heading to foursigmatic.com forward slash WGYT. If you're looking for a way to stay energized throughout the entire day, grab a bottle of Suniva Super Coffee. Suniva is something I drink on a daily basis. It's an organic bottled coffee blend with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil, which provides me with clean, all-day energy. Head to your local Whole Foods or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Suniva was founded by three college athletes who are brothers and wanted a cleaner way to stay energized throughout the entire day. Let's face it, we all want to look good in the clothes we wear, but I got tired of sifting through the racks looking for a quality pair of jeans that cost less than $300. Then I found Distilled. DSTLD, pronounced Distilled, offers premium denim and essentials at an affordable price. 
Their products cost just one-third of what other premium brands charge because Distilled refuses to work with middlemen, bringing savings directly to you. Just go to dstld.com right now and use the promo code JOURNEY10 in all caps at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.